Amen. Good morning. So did any one of you figure out the third invitation of Christ before you looked at the bulletin? Anyone? I would believe you if you claimed it. Hmm? No? All right. Well, this is the third invitation that we've been talking about. Three profound invitations of Christ. The first, he spoke to those with weary souls, and he said, come to me and take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. My yoke is easy. Burden is light. The second invitation, he spoke to those who are filled with worry and anxiety. He said, listen, lay that all aside. Would you trust the Father with all of that? And I'll give you a new priority, something to focus on and look at, and that is the kingdom of God. Seek first. Prioritize the kingdom and his righteousness, and all the other stuff that you're worried about will will come to you. This third invitation is to those whom Jesus says, are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? Would you think about the last time you were really, really thirsty, just parched, I always think of sports. The last time I was pretty thirsty, not really parched, but was yesterday as we played basketball as a group of guys. Uh, Thankfully, Pete did not injure me at all. Uh, But I was injured. In fact, my whole body is hurting right now. (laughs) And it's kind of, my, my body's accusing me of elder abuse. I could not stop taking charges. I was like, would you stop taking charges? No, I kept taking charges. But anyways, we took a break after, and we played full court, which was, I suggested twice maybe half court, but no, the young guys wanted to run. And so we took a break, and thankfully I had some water, but Pete offered Gatorade, and boy, that was good, Gatorade. Jesus, of course, is not talking about physical thirst, though I think that can help us. He's talking about something deeper, something more profound. He's talking about a spiritual thirst for for something more that we don't always know it or recognize it. I would argue that this thirst that Jesus is referencing is universal, that the Father has placed this thirst into each and every one of us. The only difference is, is some of us recognize it and see it and and feel it. We're, we're, we're willing to, to sit in that thirst and that longing. Many of us, I think part of human nature is we don't like to sit in places of longing or thirst or desire. So we fill up our lives right, with, with projects or pastimes or, or work or, or people or entertainment or Netflix or whatever that is, right? We, we fill it up because sometimes in those, in those quiet moments, if we allow ourselves to have it, in those moments of solitude and we rest there, then sometimes that this thirst that Jesus is talking about 
we can almost taste it. We can feel it in our soul. And I want to suggest that Jesus, this invitation that we're about to look at, he's saying, for those of you who are willing to sit in that place, I've got an invitation for you, a significant invitation. Boy, I was going to, I totally passed on one of my favorite clips that I have ever shown. I have to go back. Wait, we have to go back. It's like this is, I've shown it before, but it's the three amigos. Yeah, I mean, a classic by anyone's standard. And this is my favorite video thinking about thirst. We should play that again next week, right? That's so good, yeah. Thirst, thirst, would you think about it? Now, I want to set the scene of uh, this invitation of Christ. There's a a number of festivals, great festivals, that all the the Jews, the children of God, would, would come to Jerusalem. There was a Feast of Tabernacles, and or the Feast of Booths, it was called. And they would, bring, they would make uh, leafy booths and they would celebrate for seven days. They would sleep in the booths. And they would remember their wanderings in the desert, so that connects with uh, thirst and longing. It was also after harvest, so they would be celebrating the goodness of God his provision in their lives. So celebration, very celebratory. There were a number of scriptures that were read, uh, talked about both desert and, and harvest and the, and the provision of God. There was also a ceremony. And we don't know if Christ gave this invitation right during the ceremony, but at least the ceremony would have been in the, the minds and hearts of the people and that was oftentimes, uh, daily, I believe it was, that the priest would uh, lead a procession down to the pool of Siloam. And he would, 
dip a big, a large uh, golden pitcher in that pool and lead the procession back to the altar. And then with a bowl, and that bowl would have uh, holes in it next to the altar, and he would pour the water over the bowl, and the water would flow from over the altar as a sign of God's provision and blessing and goodness and mercy to the people. I like to think it doesn't say this in the text, that it could have been during that moment that Jesus stands up and he shares these words. These are from John 7, 37. He says this. Now imagine the people present there. Maybe this ceremony was taking place. and On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers or streams of living water will flow from within them. That Greek word is the innermost being. Streams of living water will flow from their innermost being. Verse 39, John the Apostle, by this he meant the Spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So Jesus is making this invitation to the people, have no idea the letter, level of comprehension that the people would have had. And what have they, and I, I mean, it's an incredible invitation, right? That someone to do that and to think the, the provision and the blessing of God that's filling their hearts and minds. And then Jesus, this, this radical rabbi that, that the word is, he's been doing these miracles and represents God. And could he be the Messiah? And then he stands up in this loud voice with an invitation to the streams of God, the living streams. This invitation, not only a place to, to drink and return, but he does something more with this invitation. He says, those living streams that I'm making available, if you're thirsty for them, come to me, and those very streams on your innermost being, the flow from your life. What an incredible invitation. I also really appreciate in Scripture when the inspired authors give a little commentary to help us understand <laughs> the meaning of what's going on. And in fact, John, it's... John, the inspired author, who he provides that final verse for us, 39. By this he meant, in case you are wondering, the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive, up to that time the spirit had not yet been given since Jesus had not been glorified. That's a little confusing. It's 
pointing us forward to a certain degree. And we're going to talk about how this promise points us forward. But we're going to do that next week. This invitation also points us backward. It says, as the scriptures. So, so Jesus would also be saying, by the way, all the scriptures, there's a summation. We're not exactly sure of the scriptures that he's referencing. There's no word for word. He doesn't quote a scripture, but there's the assumption that there's a number of summations of scripture that find their home in this invitation, and it's up to the listener to those who are thirsty to really understand and look back at the scriptures. But at least John gives us enough clarity to say, by the way, he's talking about the spirit. Don't miss it. And I'm really thankful that he says that because it's been argued, and I would agree, that the Holy Spirit is the least known person of the Trinity. That oftentimes... Churches, especially evangelical churches, don't provide a lot of teaching on the third person of the Holy Spirit. I would also argue within the evangelical churches that some of the worst teaching and unbiblical teaching on the Holy Spirit has taken place. And so this invitation, if we're going to understand it and see it and, and walk in it, and ultimately what I think Christ is inviting us to say yes to Jesus on a regular basis, let's take a little bit of time to, to understand. One of the things that the evangelical church often misses is they kind of treat the Holy Spirit as a one-and-done experience. Now, the Holy Spirit does bring salvation. We're told that that's what to become a Christian is, as you receive Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit invites us. When we say yes to Christ, he fills our souls. And yes, salvation is a one-and-done experience, for sure. But I would say, scripturally speaking, the the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit is very clearly not a one-and-done experience. That there is a flow, that there is an activity. Even in this promise itself is the, the flow of streams. That this isn't, I take a, a, a Gatorade bottle and go, mm, I'm good. No, but there's this idea of the presence of the Spirit flowing in and flowing from us. In fact, the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, you've been given one Spirit to drink. He's talking about life and ministry is that we've been given the Spirit to drink on a regular basis. And another really neat scripture earlier in John, John 3.34, which is in your bulletin there, Jesus said this, For the one whom God has sent, Jesus, speaks the words of God, for God gives the Spirit without limit. Isn't that an awesome scripture? Like that, 
That's worthy to, to highlight in your Bible. The New King James Version says this, God does not give the Spirit by measure. He's like, doesn't, you know, he doesn't measure it up. You know, Mikey, you've been okay. I'm going to give you the, just, just this much of the Spirit that you've got, you got enough. In. And Lee, you get a little bit more because you're a little bit more godly than my, Mikey there. So I'll give you... Uh, <laughs> no! He's saying, I give the Spirit without limit. This is a spring that is flowing there. And he's not stingy. He's not going, you know what, I think, yeah, you've had enough, Gunner. That's, no, no, no. You're you're getting a little piggy at the trough. No, No. He's just wondering how thirsty you are. Will you keep asking? Will you keep longing? Will you keep saying yes and drinking? Now, one of the scriptures that is often looked at in this promise is from Isaiah 58. And I really like this scripture because really the scripture connects to the inner being, to the soul. It connects to the, the stream of, of Christ. It says this, Isaiah 58, 11. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. Again, the desert, but talking about the world as a sun-scorched land. And will strengthen your frame, your whole body. You, you will be like a well-watered garden. Like a spring whose water never fails. He's saying the soul is like a garden. And you've seen untended gardens. You've seen when folks lack watering of the garden. But you've also seen gardens that are plush and tended and cared for of all the water that they need. Jesus, in this invitation is, would you like to say yes to being a well-watered garden? Yes, I, I I would like that. Visually, I want you to think about this with me. This is a life shape that I like a lot and we talk about. It's three circles. It's a, it's a picture of you. Paul talks about that we have a spirit, a soul, and a body. Cindy, can you put that life shape up there? So this, it doesn't look like you, but it's you, okay? So you've got a body outside. You've got a soul, and that soul is made up of your your heart, your emotions, your mind, your thoughts, your conscience and unconscious, your will, your decision. I would also add this. Our souls are made up of our appetites as well. And those appetites are often God-given. Okay? And we have a little spirit. We have a spirit within us. And according to Jesus in John 3, when he's talking to Nicodemus, 
he says, you'll, you'll know this phrase, that you must be born again, right? Says, but he's not talking about physical birth. He's saying, uh, flesh gives birth to flesh. That's when your mom gave birth to you. But the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, gives birth to your spirit. We each have a little spirit within us. And yet when we're born and separated from Christ, there's a, there's a deadness to the spirit, certainly not a fullness to the spirit. And when you become a Christian, you are born again. And what happens is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, enters into your life and gives new life to your spirit within. You with me? Jesus is saying, now I want to invite you to receive this spring of life. That even though deep within there can be this deadness or removal, and yet the spring of life comes in our soul and gives new life to our spirit. Now imagine this this spring of water flowing right from your center to your mind, to your emotions, to your appetite to your conscience, to your will, and even to your body. And Jesus is saying, for those of you who are thirsty, that there's a longing for more. I want to invite you to be a well-watered garden. Would you say yes? All right. In a sun-scorched land, especially in times that are difficult and we're struggling, he's saying, I will be the well from which you can draw life, renewal, and refreshment. There's another scripture that probably relates to this. It's not as, as direct. It's a little bit more of a negative Scripture, and it comes from Jeremiah 2.13. Listen to what God says through Jeremiah to the people. He says, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. So Father is the fountain. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit the streams of living water. And then he says, you've not only forsaken me, but you've hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Some of you are familiar with cisterns. They're kind of like wells, but wells can be built on a, a fresh spring, so you go there. But cisterns are containers that hold water that you have to fill from the outside with your own water. And he's saying rather, you could use the analogy of a well versus cistern, rather than allowing my fresh springs to build a well and you go to the well and I provide that water for you, you've created these cisterns, this container, and that's where you're trying to go. But here's the deal, they don't hold water. 
Putting in practical terms, we create as human nature some negative cisterns or wells. Think about alcohol or or pornography, all the negative material things or, or buying and hoarding stuff or whatever that is that we have these go-tos when we're stressed, when we're struggling, we go there and leads to sin. But I would suggest there can also be what the world would call very positive cisterns like people, like our, our spouses or friends, our, our children or our parents. We also have positive things like work or service. When things are hard, we just go there and we, we, we want more. We work more. We serve more. We relate more. And even those, those, those things are positive, they are not Jesus. And Jesus is saying... I will be that fresh spring. I will saturate your life. A very helpful biblical word related to the Holy Spirit and this promise, and this promise is presence. It's a neat word study sometime. The Hebrew word is panim, used throughout the Old Testament, the Greek word is enopia, enopia. For example, the angel Gabriel, when he appears to Zechariah, he says, I am Gabriel, and I stand in the enopian. I stand in the presence of God. Isn't that cool? And then... We can look at, say, Psalm 51, when David is repenting, he's concerned. And listen to how he brings this connection of presence and the Holy Spirit. Do not cast me away from your presence, he's praying to the Lord. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. David had been living in the, the manifest presence of God. He was living a life of this well-watered garden, this, this, this intimacy and relationship with the Lord. He committed sin, Bathsheba, and he's going, God, please, please, don't take your presence from me, your Holy Spirit. We go back to the life shape Cindy. Would you imagine the, the presence of the living God, the, the manifest presence, the three circles, Cindy, can we go back to there? Yeah. And his presence, the spirit being with your spirit, his truth being with your mind. His comfort and stirrings and yearnings being with your emotions. His, his, his direction and discernment being with your will. His presence being with your, your appetites. Can you imagine his presence filling and touching I had a friend this past week call me, and uh, he was hurting. He was 
There had been a, a diagnosis in his family with his daughter. And he said, I, I don't get it. I, and I know we've been praying. We, we had been praying. And he said, I, I don't understand it. And she don't understand it. We don't understand it. And we're struggling and it's affecting our faith. I certainly didn't have answers. There's a lot I don't get. But I know sometimes at the end of our answers and our thinking, we have this invitation of the presence of God. And we talked through a little bit, shared, asked if we could pray. I just prayed for a fresh infilling of, of God's presence. The friend said, you know, I have been receiving comfort in the word. Praise God. But I'm, I'm, I'm crying out. I was essentially praying. Uh, Romans 5.5, 5, Paul says this about the Holy Spirit. Hope does not put us to shame because God's Love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I was just praying for God's love and strength to be poured out on him and his wife and his daughter and the family there. I think this incredible promise is he's saying, I will give you my presence, I, especially when the world feels like this sun-scorched land, when, when you're struggling and there's pain and there's difficulty. My spirit will be poured out. My love, my mercy grace. That's a beautiful piece. But I also think there's something more related to this presence, related to perhaps the other promises that we choose, our yoke, our priority, that I also think this promise not only relates to presence and intimacy, and if I can say it like this, we, we, it's an invitation to, to live life with God, but also it's an invitation of how we live. Relates to some of the promises in Scripture. I, I would call this living from the inside out. Proverbs 4.23 says this. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. For everything you do, it, your life flows from your heart. I like that word flow, the, the flow of the Holy Spirit. And, and for a long time, I've, I've thought about the difference between acting and reacting. Acting and reacting. So oftentimes, the world fills our hearts and our minds and our souls with junk, right? And beyond social media... Uh, that fills that, and we often react. I just had a 
a friend a couple weeks ago that did something that was really hard. It hurt quite a bit. And I wanted to react with anger and bitterness and unforgiveness. Action, this decision shot into my heart and soul. And I thought about, God, I don't want to just react out of my flesh. I want to respond and live from this place of your presence in my life. Took some time to to pray through that. Took some time to think about this with the Lord and give a response. And I felt like my response was acting from the presence of God and the the voice of the Holy Spirit responding to others. And so, so my anger turned more towards understanding. My my unforgiveness, my desire to turn more to forgiveness and grace. And I felt like I wasn't reacting as the world could have or teaches us, actually. But I responded, hopefully, with the presence and the power of Jesus Christ. Amen? I think this is an invitation for us to respond in that way, to to live life in that way. There's also this idea of living in his presence of a with. It's not just so that we would live rightly or respond. It's a great question to ask, what would Jesus do in this circumstance? But it's more than that. It's living not just for Christ and reflecting Christ, but it's living with Christ, living in his presence. Psalm 16, 11, we read this to begin the, the, the service. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That to to live in his presence is the fullness of joy. To live in his presence is comfort and strength. To live in his presence is to live in who he is. I I think the best analogy is, is human relationships. The month of October, I've been traveling a lot, as many of you know. I've been away and I have been away from Kendra's presence. And I don't like it. I like to live life in Kendra's presence. I have a sneaky suspicion that she enjoys those times a little bit, at least for a while. Yes, but she's graciously, and I get it, I can be annoying. But anyways, I really want to live life in her presence, right? And that, that's a delight. I, I, I did have her voice in my life because we would talk each day. But I, I, I miss her, her tenderness and her kindness and her gentleness. 
I miss being able to, to process the, those moments. We did again on, on the phone, but not like as if we were in person. And I want to suggest that's the same of the Lord. Sometimes we can, maybe it's a lack of teaching on the Holy Spirit, but sometimes we can be so busy of doing stuff for the Lord that we forget that he's invited us to live with him. This directly relates to the yoke, right? That he's the one, he's the, he's the one who ducks under that yoke and he's like, we're in this together. And I think just as we can worry even under the yoke of Christ, we can miss his manifest presence even when we're right next to him under the yoke. All right, I wanted to save enough time for us to pray together. So I'm just going to leave this scripture, this scripture, I'm going to leave it with you for next week. I'm not going to explain it at all. But it's related to this promise, right? This promise is pointing us forward to Pentecost. Acts 2, you might want to read it this week in preparation for next week. And, and it's where the, the Holy Spirit is given. It's the, there's a, a glorified, it talks about, yet there's this moment between when Jesus is, is resurrected and he's making these resurrection appearances to his disciples, he hasn't been glorified yet. He has not ascended to the right hand of the Father. And Pentecost hasn't happened yet, this is, which is Acts 2. This is in the end of the Gospel of John that we're, we're reading in. And I'll, I'll just read it to you. It says, Jesus appears resurrected. He hasn't been taken to the Father yet, glorified. It says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Here's the question. If they received the Holy Spirit, why did they need Pentecost? Was this scripture, this promise of John 7 pointing us to this, John 20? Or was it pointing us to Pentecost? And I'm going to leave that unresolved until next week. Do you like when I do this or do you not like when I do this? Do you like when I do that? I want you to talk about it. All right. Because here's what I'd like to do. I want to invite the worship team forward, Pastor Jedediah. And would you close your eyes with me? And I want you to think of that life shape. I want you to think of that your body, your soul, and your spirit. 
And there's a, is there a place that you just feel parched? You don't feel like this well-watered garden, the, the sun-scorched land of this world. It's got you dry. And you'd say, boy, I need you, Lord. I need your, your presence in my heart and my emotions. Lord, my, my thinking, I, I'm all razzled and hurt angry. Maybe, maybe a friend did something and you're wrestling with anger or bitterness. Maybe the, your, your will, there's this decision that you, you've got to make and you, you've got anxiety about it. It's a, it's a future thing. It's an opportunity you don't know and you just you need the presence of God, the wisdom of God in that place. Would you take a moment to pray the love of God because God's love has been poured out in our hearts and he gives us the Holy Spirit. Would you just say, Lord, I need your love I need your gentleness. I need your kindness. I need your wisdom and comfort. I need your mercy and forgiveness. Would you just invite whatever that place is, whatever the Spirit is directing you to, would you just invite and drink of the Spirit.